Well, hey everybody, hope you guys are doing well. Hey, next weekend, we have a great weekend plan. We're welcoming back Michael Francis, and he's bringing along his wife, Cammie. And if you're not familiar with his story, he's a former mob boss whose life was dramatically changed when he was rescued by Jesus. He was here last year and he told his personal story, but this time he's coming with his wife and talking about their journey together uh, and their marriage as they were going through all this. And so you're not gonna wanna miss this. It's gonna be a great weekend to invite some family and friends. And uh, you're gonna wanna come early because seats are going to fill up fast. So make sure you're here next weekend for Michael Francis. But today we're going to do something a little different. Today we're going to do a, a part video message that's hopefully going to enhance what we're talking about as we're starting a new series called Hope Rising. Now last week at Easter, Ben talked about this idea of hope and how it's so important for our lives. And today we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And over the next few weeks in this series, this is the theme we're talking about because hope is something we all desperately need. When I first started dating my wife, Danielle, she had this thing called a hope chest. Now, how many of you guys, by a show of hands, know what a hope chest is? I have no idea how many of you raised your hands. I just thought it'd be funny to ask you because I'm on camera right now. But a hope chest is simply just this big old box where they store things in for their future. They're hopeful for their future. And over time, over Danielle, as she was going through high school, uh, they would add things to this hope chest like uh, kitchen supplies and things that she would need when she would eventually either live on her own or when she got married. She recently just asked her parents why they did the hope chest. And her mom just simply said, hey, you know, so you had a little bit of a head start when you eventually were out, out of our house and on your own, her dad simply said, we gave you a hope chest, we'd eventually get rid of you. And so, Brian, Patty, you're welcome for that. Um, that's not funny, you shouldn't laugh at that. Um, but when I first started dating her, it kind of freaked me out, like, well, this is kind of weird. Um, you know, uh, you're talking marriage already, you're talking future, but that hope chest wasn't for me, that was for Danielle, because in that chest was things that she had hoped for, uh, for her future, and she looked forward to her life uh, in the future, and that hope is something she clung to, and really, it played out really well for us, because when we got married, we had a bunch of cool stuff that we had a head start with in our marriage when we moved into our first apartment together. And the truth is we all have a hope chest. We all have stuff that we put our hope in that uh, we feel like this is going to give us the future we desire because we all desire hope. We all wanna know that the future is gonna be okay. And so we put our hope in these different things. We put our hope in different people. We put our hope in relationships. We put our hope in things like money. We feel like money is, is where our hope can be found because if we feel like we have enough money, then things are gonna turn out okay. But the truth is, money's gonna let us down. Money's not gonna uh, give us the hope that we need because the truth is we never have enough money. Money runs out, surprises happen and stress happens and, and money isn't going to give us that hope that our lives so desperately need. And then we try to put our hope in things like relationships. We feel like he's the right one or she's the right one. And we feel like those relationships are gonna make everything okay, but we're all flawed people and we let each other down. So those relationships are not gonna give us the hope that we need. And so we put our hope in other things like jobs or sports or kids or pets. And those things let us down too because hope isn't found because our job is unfulfilling sometimes. Our sports teams don't uh, end the season the way we expect them to. Uh, even if we do win, uh, at the end of the day, it's just a game. Our kids rebel, our pets pee on the carpet. Hope isn't found in those things. And even worse, life doesn't go as planned because sometimes relationships end, divorce happens, loved ones get sick and die. And when life doesn't go as planned, where is hope really found? How do we get the hope that our lives so desperately desire? How does hope rise in our lives when life doesn't go as planned? This is exactly what happened to Jesus' followers after he was crucified. 
He was killed on a Friday, and then all Saturday and into Sunday, they had lost hope. They didn't know what was next. And so they wondered what was gonna happen. How was hope going to rise in their lives? And this is where we come off across an amazing story in the Bible of two people who had lost hope because they had put all their hopes and dreams into Jesus. They thought he was the one who was coming to fix everything. He was the one they put their dreams into. He was the one who was gonna fix all the problems they were dealing with. And then he was gone. And so we come across this story of these two people and they're actually taking a walk and it's actually the most famous walk in scripture. You know, I think walking is kind of a lost art form. Um, when I was a kid, I walked everywhere. Um, you know, I didn't have my license at that point. And if I wanted to go somewhere, if I wanted to go to the store, if I wanted to go to my basketball games, if I wanted to go to the local park to play basketball with my friends, I wasn't driving and my parents were working during the day. I had to walk there. And so we walked everywhere. And most of the time I walked with my best friend, Dale, we'd walk everywhere together. And when you walk someplace, it kind of just slows life down, doesn't it? You have a chance to have authentic conversations. You're not in a rush to get somewhere. It takes some time to walk. So that's what gets, that's the opportunity you get to have. You get to have a chance to really build some authentic relationships with people and have a chance to clear your mind and think about what's going on in life. And when I walked as a kid, life was much simpler. It was easy. Uh, the biggest decision I had to make was deciding when I went to the store if I was going to get, you know, ice cream or a candy bar. You know, that's simple. Um, but what happened is as soon as I turned 16, I stopped walking. I got my driver's license and I drove everywhere. And I've lost that art form of walking and life got a lot, of bu- a lot busier and a lot more complicated. In biblical times, unless you were a wealthy person, uh, you walked everywhere. And Jesus actually spent most of his life walking from this town to the next. It's just kind of what you did in that culture. And we come across this amazing story of hope rising with these two people taking a walk. The the story comes across in Luke. And if you aren't familiar with Luke, let me kind of fill you in. Luke was a, a physician, actually, and he was a really smart man. And he came to put his faith in Jesus. And as he heard Jesus's, the stories about Jesus, he was an intellectual man. So he investigated everything about this guy. And he just uh, asked questions and heard stories and sought out if this really was true about this guy. And he came to believe that it was. And so he decided to write the story of Jesus to his friend Theophilus. And this is where we see in the book of Luke, it's his letter to Theophilus. And we pick up this story in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, 13 says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now when Luke says the same day, he means Sunday. It's Sunday still. It's the day that Jesus resurrected. And these two people, we don't know who they are exactly. We know one's name is Cleopas. He's a guy. And another guy, they they start walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about seven miles away. And for the average person, seven miles takes about two hours to walk. And so they had this two-hour walk ahead of them. And just a few days earlier, they were with everybody else. They were followers of Jesus. And they were there Friday when he was crucified. And they stayed around with the others for a couple of days, but they got to Sunday and it said, you know what? I don't know what to do next. We're gonna head back to Emmaus. Maybe they were from there. And so they start this seven mile journey and they just start talking about everything that's happened. They've talked about the scenario that took place, all the incidents that happened. They probably started playing the game of what if, like what if Jesus did something different? What if we did something? And what if we could have prevented him from dying? They played this game of what if probably because think about it. 
They believed that Jesus was this Messiah. They believed that he was the one to come and rescue them. They believed that he was the one that was gonna restore the kingdom of Israel to the Jews. They had all this hope in him. He was the one, he was the Messiah, and then he died. He was gone. Where is hope after that? And what's crazy is they have this conversation on this walk and they're just talking about this and guess who shows up to walk with them? Jesus. Yeah, seriously, Jesus starts walking with these guys. But the crazy part is they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. They just start talking uh, and Jesus comes up walking with them. And maybe God prevented them from knowing that it was Jesus, but Jesus starts walking with them, coming alongside them. And he simply just asked, hey, what are you talking about? It's kind of funny. Hey, Jesus probably knows they're talking about me, but hey, what are you talking about? And these two guys stop and they have a downcast face look and they just start explaining everything that just happened the past couple of days. Verse 18 says, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's almost kind of like saying to Jesus, what, were you living under a rock these past few days? Which Jesus probably could have replied, actually, yeah, I was. Uh, but Jesus didn't say it that way. He just said, no, explain what happened. And uh, they proceed to say, there was this guy, Jesus, and he was from God. He was a prophet. He was so wise and he taught with authority. And we believed he was the one that was going to rescue us. Um, but the chief rulers and the, the religious leaders, they arrested him and they killed him. And then they said something very powerful in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Did you catch that? But we had hoped. They had put their hope into this guy. They believed that he was the one to rescue him. They believed that he was the king that was gonna redeem Israel. They had believed that he was the one to give them the future they so desired. Their hope was in Jesus and he died. Their hope was gone. Life did not go as planned for them. And then they go on to explain to, this, to Jesus, they're telling Jesus about Jesus, it just blows my mind. They explain to him that these rumors starting that, that, that the women, some of the women in their group, they went to the tomb to get him ready to embalm him and the, the, the stone of the tomb was rolled back. And there was an angel there saying that Jesus had risen and that he was alive. And, and can you understand their confusion? They're hearing these rumors that the guy they had put their hope in was they saw him die. And now there's these rumors that he's alive and they just don't know what's going on. Uh, life wasn't going as planned. What was going to happen next? And then Jesus said to them in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did the Christ not have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So Jesus tells them this had to happen, that he, was, he had to suffer and die. And they kind of, weren't they paying attention? He told them this was gonna take place. Then he walked them through all of the Old Testament scripture that predicted that this was gonna happen. He kind of gave them a two hour sermon, if you will, and talk about a crazy walk. Jesus just gets to talk to them and teach them and preach to them for two hours about this was supposed to take place. And then they finally get to Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. And these guys convinced Jesus, even though they didn't know it still, to stay with them. It's been a long walk. They were tired. They were hungry. To stay with them and to eat some dinner with them. And, and Jesus obliges and they eat dinner together. And then something crazy happened. They go to eat dinner and Jesus grabs some bread to break the bread. And scripture says this in verse 31, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. 
They realized it was him the whole time, finally. It was him, their hope rose, it was restored. Jesus was everything they believed he was, and he was even more than that. Their hope rose, it was restored. And you know what they did when they realized it was him? They realized they had to tell everybody else. Everybody else back in Jerusalem needed to know that he was alive. So you know what they did? They ran. They ran to tell everybody else that Jesus was alive. And they ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem, back to their friends, their brothers and sisters, to tell everybody, hey, he's alive. He's alive. Our Lord has risen. I know we thought he was dead, but we saw him. He's alive. He walked with us. He's everything we hoped for and more. I mean, could you imagine this scene? Here are two people that who had lost their hope. Life was not as they planned, but hope rose in their lives when they took a walk with Jesus. I mean, how crazy of an experience is that? And what's awesome is that our lives aren't much different than theirs, actually. We're just like these two people in that we all put our hope into stuff. We all believe that this thing or that thing is going to give us the future that we need, but life doesn't go as planned, and things happen, and we don't see them coming, and honestly, we don't even have the ability to control them when they happen. Like right now, for instance, if you're watching this right now on video, life didn't go as planned for me because my second son decided to come a little earlier than we anticipated, and my wife is either had given birth already or she's giving birth right now, which is weird, but it could be happening. But life doesn't go as planned, so that's why this is on video. But things happen. And there's even some of you sitting in this room right now who are just like the two people on the road walking. You have no hope in your lives. Things didn't go as planned. And we all, we build ourselves up for things, and then life happens, and those things let us down. Like, I had hoped that he was the one, or I hoped that she was the one. I had hoped that I had beaten this addiction. I had hoped that they were going to get better. I had hoped that Wisconsin was going to beat Duke. But things don't happen, do they? Life gets difficult, and so often these things that we put our hope in, these things that we believe are going to give us the hope that we desire, those things let us down. And so where do we find real hope? Is, is life hopeless? Is, is, is it even worth it? Is everything just going to let us down? Well, no. I'm here to tell you life's not hopeless. Not everything will let us down. We can find hope that we so desperately need but it can only be found in one thing, Jesus. See, the two people on the road to Emmaus, they had thought that all their hope was gone, but that hope was restored through taking a walk with Jesus. And now this is how we find hope as well, because here's the truth. Hope rises as we walk with Jesus. Often our relationship with Jesus is referred to as a walk, uh, I've had mentors in my life who they've sat me down and asked me, hey, how's your walk with the Lord going? How's your walk with Jesus going? And, and people have asked me that question, me for years, people have been saying this question for decades because that's the analogy that we have sometimes with our relationship with God. And it makes sense if you think about it. Um, when you walk with someone, it means you're actually taking time to invest in that relationship. You're actually slowing life down enough to, you know, to, to actually spend time in this relationship, to invest yourself into this relationship. 
And so it makes sense that our relationship with God is referred to as a walk. And if you want hope in your life, and I mean real, sustaining hope, then you need to walk with Jesus. He is the one who loves you no matter what you've done. He is the one that came to this earth to give you the life that God intended for you. He is the one who defeated death. He's the one who died for you. He's the one who says in Matthew that the nations will put their hope in. He's the one who says in John that for everyone who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. He's the one who says in Luke, your sins are forgiven. It's through Jesus that true hope is found. And when we walk with Jesus, that changes everything. That is what gives us hope. Hope rises as we walk with Jesus. And so I want to give you some practical steps today to walk with Jesus going forward. And the first is this, to spend time with Jesus daily. Hope is something that continues to get built the more time we spend with Jesus. We call that celebrate, actually, around here. Riverland. We tell this is celebrating our relationship with God by spending time with him. And we do that publicly by meeting here on the weekends at service together, worshiping and learning and getting together to, to celebrate our relationship with God. And that's a good start, but that's not enough. That's not going to build the hope that we need in our lives. It's not going to sustain us. We need more. We need to spend time with Jesus daily. We need to privately walk with Jesus, and he invites us to do that with him. I mean, think about this. Jesus invites us to walk with him. Jesus invites us to spend time with him daily. How cool is that? The Savior of the world wants to spend time with us every day of our lives. And I get that this may be intimidating. You're not really sure what to do with this. How do you walk with Jesus? You're busy. You don't have much time. This is a big step in your relationship with God. But honestly, it's a vital one. It's necessary. And the truth is, I think there are different ways that you can walk with Jesus. There's not just one way for everybody. We all have different ways that we can walk with Jesus daily. For some, it'll be to find a quiet place to read and to pray. So maybe you need to pick a time each day where this is the time you spend walking with Jesus by spending time with him. It may mean that you wake up 30 minutes earlier than you normally do and spend that time with Jesus. It may mean that you spend your lunch break walking with Jesus by spending time with him. It may mean that you spend some time at night watch, walking with Jesus. It may mean that you can't watch Sports Center as much, but it means you're spending time walking with Jesus. Whatever it is, pick a time and make it the same time every day. Make it a habit. And walk with Jesus by learning about him. Read the Bible. A lot of our Bibles are literally just sitting at home collecting dust, and that is not what they are intended for. And I struggle with that too. These words, though, the scriptures, the Bible is meant for us to build our relationship with God, to give us hope, to give us faith, to build that. That's why we have it. And so maybe that's what you need to do is spend that time reading and learning and growing and building that hope. And if you don't know what to read, I suggest maybe start with Luke, where we find this story of the two people walking to Emmaus. There's actually 24 chapters in Luke, and if you just read one chapter every day, it's going to take you to almost this entire series of Hope Rising. It's going to be a great way for you just to build hope by spending time and walking with Jesus every day of your life. And spend time talking with him too. It's not just about learning about him and learning from him. It's also about sharing who you are with him and building your relationship that way. Tell Jesus your hopes, your dreams, your fears. Tell him your struggles. Tell him your wins. Tell him your defeats. 
walk with him. Maybe you need to walk with Jesus by literally taking a walk. I'm serious about this. Listen, the weather's getting nicer, and we have these few months coming up to actually spend time outside. So maybe every day you pick a time where you go on a walk, and you spend that time with Jesus by talking with him, by spending time with him, by just growing in that relationship with him. You can take a walk and spend time with God. You can also even pop in your headphones and listen to an audio version of the Bible. You may be walking and people may be thinking you're bumping Taylor Swift, but the truth is you're bumping Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's awesome. It's a great way to build that relationship with God. Listen, however you walk with Jesus, the important thing is that you're doing it and you're you're walking with him every day. This is necessary because this is what causes hope to rise in our lives, to spend time with Jesus daily. And the second thing I want to encourage you with today is don't stop walking. Don't just keep going. It's so easy that we we often start walking with Jesus. We're we're reading, we're praying, we're spending time with him, and things are going good. But what happens is his life doesn't go as planned, and then our hope starts to fade. We get busy, we get distracted, we get dissatisfied with how things are going in our lives. But let me ask you something. What if the two people on the road to Emmaus stopped walking at mile two? What if they stopped at mile four or mile six? They wouldn't have known that it was Jesus with them the entire time. Hope wouldn't have rose in their lives like it was supposed to. Their hope would have still been lost, but they kept walking, and in the end, their lives were changed. The same is for us. So often we can be walking with Jesus and life isn't going the way we planned and we can just get to the point of saying, forget it, you know what, Jesus isn't with me, I'm not seeing this, I'm not feeling this hope and then we just stop walking. But what if when you stop, you're actually only at mile two or mile four? Or what if when you stop, you're actually at mile six and you're so close to realizing that Jesus has been with you the entire time? What if that when you stopped walking, Hope was just about to rise in your life. That's why we can't stop walking with Jesus. It needs to be every day. Hope is one of the most powerful things that we can have in our lives in this world. It's something that we all need. It's something that we all desire. It's something that we all look for. But it can only be found truly in Jesus. Sure, we look for it in other places, but those things are always going to let us down. But the hope that's found in Jesus, that is a hope that lasts. See, that's something my grandma understood. My grandma Sandy was one of the most amazing, caring, fun, Jesus-loving people that ever walked this planet. She's one of the most amazing people that I've ever had in my life. She baked amazing pies. My brothers and I would always go to her house because she always spoiled us. So she was that grandma. She spoiled us rotten. It was awesome with new toys and game systems. When we go to her house, my brother Chad and I, we would race down the sidewalk to the front door and we'd get to the front door and you would just open the door because you don't knock at grandma's house, you just walk in. And we would bust through the door and it was always about being the first one there because what would happen is we'd bust through the door and she would be sitting at the couch like she always does and she would look up and she would say, Brandon, or she would say, Chad. She would just reference us by name because it wasn't about saying hi. It was just acknowledging that she knew who we were and she was so excited that we had come to see her. She was awesome. It was like to me, Chad and I feel like awesome. Like, yeah, grandma knows my name. She's awesome. And my grandma had this faith that just could not be shaken. 
She, her hope was truly found in Jesus, and nothing could sway that. No matter how many times life didn't go as planned for her, nothing could break that hope that she had in Jesus, not even when she got cancer. You see, it started as breast cancer and eventually spread to her lungs and to her brain, but that didn't throw her off. Every 4th of July, she would host the 4th of July party for our entire family every year. And she had this rule, this mandate that I got to light the big fireworks each night. It was awesome because my grandma was awesome. But I remember one time when we were talking about the next 4th of July party, she just spoke up and said, hey, you guys have to plan this one on your own because I'm not going to be here next year. And it was the first time that I had realized that my grandma acknowledged that this disease was going to kill her. It was going to take her life. But she didn't say it like, woe is me, cancer's going to take me. It was more like, hey, guys, this is just the matter of fact. I'm not going to be here much longer, so you guys should be prepared for that. See, my grandma didn't just didn't have this sad moment with it. She was fine because her hope was found in Jesus. Her hope wasn't found in her health. It was found by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Like I said, my grandma was awesome. Eventually, the cancer got worse. Her health deteriorated. I remember my dad telling me that she didn't have much time left. And I remember this day for the rest of my life. I woke up. It was the first day of eighth grade. I was ready to go to school, and my mom woke me up and told me my grandma, Sandy, had passed away the night before. My grandma, Sandy, one of the most awesome people on this planet, was gone. Later that week, we had the funeral, and my brother Chad and I were not handling it well. She was like the coolest lady ever. But then something happened that, honestly, guys, I can't explain to this day. And this sounds weird, but it caused hope to rise in my life. We were at the funeral, and Chad and I were just miserable. We were crying. Uh, We had just lost one of the greatest people this planet had ever had on it. We were at this church, and in the middle of the funeral service, hope rose. There were these big curtains sitting on the stage behind the the pastor as he was giving the big funeral message. And Chad and I could care less what he was saying because all we could think about was how our grandma was gone. In the middle of either a prayer or a song, I don't remember, I remember looking up and behind this curtain, something happened to where it looked like two figures were formed in the curtains. It looked like two people could be standing in this outline of the curtain side by side with one another. And I just looked at it and I looked at my brother Chad and we both confirmed that we were seeing the same thing. Like what is going on here? And it was a reminder to me that my grandma who had just been suffering and and just died from cancer, that my grandma was fine. My grandma was in heaven chilling with Jesus. And it was at that moment that hope rose in my life. And what was crazy is after the funeral, Chad and I went around to our parents and our cousins and our aunts and uncles. We're like, hey, guys, did you just see like the weird figure, the two people, the two shapes in the curtain? We're like, no, you guys are weird. Like, and, and so no one else saw it except for me and Chad. And honestly, guys, I have no idea what it was. It could have literally been just a vent in the ground that caused the curtains to move to look like that. And honestly, it, it, it's probably what it was. But honestly, I don't care. It's okay if that's what it was. Because in that moment... I was reminded of the power of hope, that Jesus is walking with me even if I can't recognize him, 
that through him everything will be okay. It's through Jesus that I have hope that one day I'll see my grandma again. And when we're all in heaven one day, I want to introduce you to her because I'm telling you, she's one of the most awesome people ever. Hope rose in my life that day because of who Jesus was and what Jesus has done for me. My grandma knew it. Her death reminded me of it. And that same hope that I had that day was the same hope that rose in the two guys who were walking to Emmaus on that seven-mile walk. And it's the same hope that we all need. It's the same hope that Jesus gives and promises in Revelation 21.4 where he says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. River Glenn, this is the hope that we cling to through Jesus, that everything will be okay one day. River Glenn, we all need hope in our lives. We need it to rise Maybe there are some of you today that you feel like you're at the end of your rope, that life hasn't gone as planned for you. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus can cause hope to rise in your life. So maybe it's time that you start walking with him so hope can rise. And maybe there are some of you today that have been walking and you're tired and you're losing hope. But please don't stop. Because you don't know, maybe hope is about to rise in the next mile of your life. The challenge for all of us today is to start taking a walk with Jesus to see how that hope is going to rise and how it changes our lives. In fact, today, I want to give every one of you an opportunity to take a short walk with Jesus. The reason hope can rise in our lives is because Jesus died for us and then rose again. That's what we celebrated Easter last week, and that's what the whole purpose of this season is about. He defeated sin. He defeated death. And through him, we can have hope that gets us through this life. Each week we remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave us through communion. And that's when we remember the body and blood that was shed through taking of the cracker and the juice. And usually each week we pass trays down the rows to each other. But today we're going to do something different. Today we actually have communion stations set up all across the room. And it might be in front of you and maybe behind you. But here's where I want to invite you to take a walk today. For communion today, I want to invite you to get up out of your seat and walk to communion and take a walk with Jesus. And in that walk, in this communion time, spend time praying and talking to Jesus, telling him about your life and just uh, whatever it may be. Give him thanks for what he's done. Ask him to cause hope to rise in your life. Because it's through the death and resurrection that he did for us that we can actually have the hope that we so desperately desire. It's something we all need. And we're only going to find it through Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, thanks for today and thanks for this chance to get together at River Glen, to worship, to publicly celebrate our relationship with you. And God, right now, I want to ask that you just cause hope to rise in our lives, that you uh, cause us to understand that you hold the keys to our future, that you are the one that provides hope. And God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for the people in this room. And God, if they're watching me on video right now, I pray for uh, Danielle and my second son. I pray that everything's good with that. I just thank you for the chance that, um, that you can bless us with that. And God, I just pray in all of our lives, no matter what's going on, no matter how life doesn't go as planned, that you remind us that through Jesus, hope can rise. And I pray that all of us remember that and we walk with Jesus daily so hope can rise in our lives. And that you know we pray. Amen.